Clubhouse. Hey everyone, Mike here. Welcome to the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. Normally, at the start of the show, this is where you're listening to our fun little intro that we have for the podcast. But tonight, we're going to do something a little bit different because we're talking about How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the original 1966 version. I recently got the opportunity to attend a winter concert uh, in my hometown where the Sullivan County Chamber Orchestra happened to be playing your mean one, Mr. Grinch, an orchestral version of it. Um, so we're going to play that for you at the start of this episode because it was a wonderful piece and I want to uh, give a nice shout out to the Sullivan County Chamber Orchestra because they are an amazing group of musicians uh, that is near and dear to my heart. Anyway, so uh, enjoy this now as we get started on this brand new episode of the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. This is your mean one, Mr. Grinch, performed by the Sullivan County Chamber Orchestra, music by Albert Haig, arrangement by Michael Davis. You should follow the Sullivan County Chamber Orchestra on Facebook and on Instagram at SCCO Players. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to week 50 of the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. This is Caroline. And this is Mike. Tonight we're talking about how the Grinch stole Christmas exclamation point. The 1966 original animated version. This is based on the 1957 children's book of the same name by good old Dr. Seuss. The screenplay was written for the animated special by Dr. Seuss, Ted Giesel himself. It was directed by the Looney Tunes god, Chuck Jones. One of my favorite cartoons ever. Bugs Bunny is my favorite cartoon ever. I don't know if you knew that about me, Caroline. I don't think I did know that about you, but who doesn't love some Looney Tunes? Uh, he spoke to my soul when I was a kid. I mean, <laughs> I, I still watch his cartoons and they all feel fresh to me. And the humor is all right there for me. Like, I get it. I get it. I find you funny bugs. <laughs> and that's all Chuck Jones. That's I all like coming that right said through there. You get it. Like, like some people don't get it, but you get it. <laughs> some people don't get it. Some they don't? Like, no. they're sitting there, like, scratching their heads? They're like, I don't find this funny at all. That's terrible. Well, I'm sad for those people. I wish it was rabbit season. Oh, no. What's the matter with you there? That's not Christmas talk. Yeesh. These were original songs written by Albert Haig. The lyrics were done by good old Dr. Seuss. They had to bulk up because I guess if you just did a straight reading of the book, it's only about 12 minutes long. So they needed to stretch stretch this into a 25-minute special. So it originally aired on CBS on December 18th, 1966. It had a budget of $315,000. More than four. Four times what Bill Melendez was given for a Charlie Brown Christmas, if you guys remember that one. Right. And a Charlie Brown Christmas comes out in 1965 is such a big hit for CBS that um, uh, Joan, Chuck Jones and Dr. Seuss are just in the right place at the right time. CBS is like, we need this Christmas special train to keep a rolling. And they're like just throwing money at these guys to, to you know, bulk up and make a good special. Charlie Brown Christmas walked. So how the Grinch stole Christmas could run. That's how, that's how <laughs> I'm thinking about it in my head. Hit me with that one sentence plot. I feel like everybody knows what this movie's about. But if you don't, it's a grumpy. Hermit hatches a plan to steal Christmas from the Who's of Whoville. Now, I think we have to address the fact that way back, going that way back machine, way back in March, that's time travel noise. Slowest time machine I've ever heard. That's that's Wayne's World time travel music. That's how you know what we're doing here. It's faster than that. That was like nice and slow. It's like you had your foot on the clutch as well. Well, I'm an old man. What do you want from me? 
popping, popping the car. Way back now at the end I of felt, March. Now I felt some light speed up on me. There you go. Way back at the end of March, we covered the Jim Carrey live action version of How the Grinch Stole Christmas from 2000. For me, it was impossible not to watch this with that in mind. And I think this ended up having an even more favorable viewing for me than I already enjoyed it from my childhood because I had that now to compare it against, which maybe isn't fair or maybe is putting my finger on the scale. But tell me about your history. Is this is this one of the specials from your childhood? Is this one of the things that you watch with your kids every year? Does this does the how does the 1966 animated special have like a place in uh, in your family's lore? That was so many questions. I am a teacher. So for me, this is a little polar express for me in terms of I know the book so much better than I know the movie. I've read this book to kids millions of times. When you said it takes 12 minutes, I was like, well, <laughs> depends on what your timing is for, for circle time. But this one is definitely played in my house every year, 100%. But also, I feel like it must have played after a couple of other movies had already been watched. And this was either like I was coming and going from the room or something. The songs stick out in my head so clearly. And yet, this is the strangest part. The actual voice of the Grinch, like that that's the voice of the Grinch was like shocking to me. Isn't that weird? That is weird because your Mean One Mr. Grinch the, by Thurl Ravenscroft I think is what people remember most about mm-hmm. this. But I, for me anyway Boris Karloff doing the narration and the voice of the Grinch is a very close second to what I think of immediately when I think of this special. See, I knew it as the voice of the narrator but when he started talking and he had the same voice, I was like What's this, this voice? Like as if I had never seen the cartoon actually <laughs> speaking it. It's like I was in the other room or something. So it was a strange moment for me because I'm like, I know this story so well. And then yet this voice is just so strange for me. So go figure. I mean, it was like the first thing I wrote down was like, why don't I know this is the voice of the Grinch? Well, I mean, if there was any doubt, I, I love the credits for this opening. Well, yes and no, I, I do. The only credit credited actually when this was created and still in the versions that you watch today is just Boris Karloff. They don't mention uh, June Foray, who's the voice of Cindy Lou Who. They don't uh, give credit to Dallas McKinnon, who voices Max. They don't credit Thurl uh, Ravenscroft, who sings You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. Uh, you know, only Boris gets a credit, but the way his credit reads is fantastic. It says the sounds of the Grinch are by Boris Karloff dot 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 and read by Boris Karloff too they're so excited (laughs) this guy who then even in 1966 has to be not the most well-known name for young kids I'm sure all adults know him uh you know from his time as like Frankenstein's monster and his other horror roles that he became famous for but even in 1966 I have to imagine young kids are not like Boris Yay! Right. And get to twenty twenty one. Who? Boris? Who? Yeah, no. I love that though. That's so Doctor Seuss to say. And read by Boris Karloff too, with like an exclamation. Yeah. That's all Doctor Seuss. I love Doctor Seuss so so much. His books are like the the entire basis of a teaching day for me with the little ones. One of the things that always makes me nervous about books that I really love is when they get turned into films. Like this is one of those ones where I was like, uh, because you know Polar Express, I was not thrilled with at all because they've done so many different Dr. Seuss ones. I always feel like a little like when you sit down and watch a Stephen King one and you're like, but the book is so much better than this than this movie or this made for TV special or anything like that. Dr. Seuss uses such strange words and he's got such fascinating imagery in his words that when you put it on the screen, it's like, will we all agree that that's what a who looks like? Are we all, do we all think that's what the Grinch looks like? Because so far we've really just been looking at him in this black and white book and it's sort of our own interpretation of of who he is did everything line up for you i don't know are you a book reader of of, of dr seuss see yeah i was just about to say no 
How did you make it through school? And Dr. Seuss books have no significant place in my brain at all. I'm aware that I've read a couple maybe to Tom, but he certainly didn't grow up with us reading him Dr. Seuss books. And it was not a part of my childhood at all. I, I know them pop culturally. I definitely never, I've never read how, uh, you know, how the Grinch stole Christmas. I can feel what the weight of that book feels like in my hand. That's how familiar I am with it. The Grinch for me has always been this green-eyed creature and the who's are always just what you see here and this was one of those regular ones along with charlie brown and frosty and rudolph that was in that rotation growing up uh, of the specials that i was looking forward to every single christmas but it's been several years since i've watched this all the way through i tend to play your mean one mr grinch on my christmas playlist much more than i've sat down and watched this whole special reading the trivia and kind of gathering it like i was i was shocked to learn it was really chuck jones who decided what the grinch looked like because he's Mm -hmm. the one who took the black and white pencil drawings from the book and gave it color you know and and obviously dr seuss was involved in this production and he he agreed to everything that ultimately was done but it's really chuck jones interpretation yeah, I feel it's, like. it's his interpretation i mean the the 2018 i think it is that has cumberbatch doing the voice of the grinch the jim carrey version of the grinch they're all aping this 66 version of the grinch more so than the original pencil drawing from the book which is crazy it's just crazy because it wasn't dr seuss necessarily who actually made that choice it's fascinating that chuck jones was so involved with this because my heart the second i watched this again i feel like i was in the next room and didn't realize every little detail of this but the movements of the of especially the Grinch and then the sound work all of the little like like zipping sounds and like I don't know it it, it was so Looney Tunes to me I immediately wrote in my notes I was like wow this is like so Bugs Bunny and Wile E. Coyote and all that and I had no idea any basis on that and then when you when you told me all this stuff about Chuck Jones I was like whoa like I see his fingerprints all over this movie really Really fascinating because as only a book reader, the Grinch is so like plotting to me. Like he's a grumpy guy. He's he doesn't Bugs Bunny doesn't move the same as the Grinch moves in my head. Wow, this is a weird mix for me to when I actually was sitting down to watch it. I admit I was definitely having the Jim Carrey version, which we spent a long time talking about in my head talking about this. I remember being on record as liking the fact that they gave a reason for why the Grinch had become so jaded in the Jim Carrey version, right? They had developed that he had been bullied and he had kind of been ostracized and he had like an actual axe to grind against the Who's, which over years had cemented and, and it led to who he was when the story takes place. I had forgotten and I found this equally refreshing. They don't care at all. They, there's no (laughs) setting up about why the Grinch feels the way he does there. He, this is just who he is. And so, and he makes no apologies for it. He's not equivocating. He's not blaming. He's not looking for a therapy session. He just doesn't like the who's and their noise and their celebrations until he does, until he understands what the actual meaning of Christmas is. And maybe Christmas means a little bit more and his heart grows three sizes. It's a great Christmas turn. It's a classic. It it hit me in a really fresh way this time. I don't know about you, uh, especially coming off of being more of a book reader than knowing the special. I guess, yes, I knew, I knew that when we watched the Jim Carrey version, that that was the first time we had gotten such an in-depth origin story. I feel like because it's a book and it's a book for preschoolers, you know, early readers, that there was a a simplicity to it. You know, they weren't going to go into this complicated thing. And it wasn't a story about bullying and, and things like that. But at the same time, I want to say that there was like one line where it was like, maybe this is the problem. Maybe this is the problem. Or maybe it's because his heart is is so small, like that whole thing. Like, I feel like there's one line that just tries to give kids like, maybe there is a reason, but we're not going to go into it. Do you remember that line right at the oh, beginning? Oh, no, yeah. No. He is definitely tossing out reasons for why, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Maybe his shoes are too tight. Yes. Um, but I think he ends up settling on the fact. different than the book. Because in the, in the book, it doesn't say his shoes are too tight. I'm, I'm trying to remember the wording. But but yes, yes. They, they try to give these little reasons that. But I love that because that's something that little.
kids could get. Right. Maybe your shoes are too tight. Maybe that's why you're feeling grumpy. Like, I love that. That's such a sweet but simple, like, very relatable reason for, like, a five-year-old. They're like, yeah, my shoes hurt sometimes, too. You know? You know what? And I get grumpy. I I get grumpy about it. Exactly. I'm not in the best mood either when that happens. Yeah, my shoes hurt. Like, you have no idea. Even the idea of his heart being, like, him being born with a heart three sizes too small, kids are going to hear that and they're going to they're going to have like a little like traditional heart shape in their head like they'd yes. show in the in this in the special they're going to have sympathy for him be like oh this poor guy i mean he's just he's yeah. born with this defect and you know of course he can't be happy of course he can't feel love you know right right and it's so a little like it's not his fault opening the door to the idea that maybe something else is going on here but you guys are little and we can't exactly explain it to you i think that that's important because he's not just a bad mean person i don't know what we call him creature i don't know what quite the word is he's just he has some stuff going on maybe it's his shoes maybe it's his heart size we don't know but let's just be cool about it i think that that's adorable like and uh, man it hurts my heart that you guys didn't have dr seuss in your world i love him so much I, I mean, I appreciate him and I think he's a genius, but yeah, it just wasn't, it was something that I came across much later in my life. It was not a formative thing. You know, I wonder one of the reasons, maybe because in the special, he lives 10,000 feet up on Mount Crumpet and in the mm-hmm. book, it's 3,000 feet. So maybe he even has like some more oxygen deprivation because 10,000 feet, <laughs> you know, you're, it's some thin air, you know, probably yeah. a little, he probably spends most of his time a little bit lightheaded, yeah. you know, and he's doing a lot of physical labor too. He, he is. He is. It's hard work. It's, and it's sad to live by yourself. You can get a little He's grumpy in a little bit. He's got Let's Max. talk about the way that Max is treated, though, because this is a big difference between the two movies. In the Jim Carrey movie, I feel like Max is kind of his like sidekick. He's his buddy, you know, for the most part. He's a grumpy guy. So, I mean, he's not he's never going to be like warm and fuzzy with Max. But I thought he was darn right mean to Max yeah, in the cartoon is. version. It surprised me how how mean he was to him yeah he's you know i there's a meme going around right now because we're getting into christmas time uh and it's a picture of baby yoda and uh the meme goes something like this is not a toy this is not a present this is a 900 year commitment yes you know and (laughs) and and it's a time of year when people tend to adopt animals for presents and then return them and and the grinch definitely feels like that except they wouldn't take max back maybe you know and so he kind of resents him he's very mean and abusive to max and max is still loyal and and max is still lovable and and still derpy in all the right ways that make me love him but uh yeah the grinch is the grinch is very mean to him but until he's not you know when when max is facing mortal peril the Grinch gets in there and he goes out and, you know, to quote Billy Madison, he saves his effing dog, you know, and he, he does do right by him in the end. <laughs> I was surprised. I, I did not remember that portion. And I was like, whoa, with the way you're treating Max. That's actually, well, that's the turning point, right? His eyes turn mm-hmm. from blue, from red to blue. And then he, he like jumps down the mountain to try and save Max, who is about to plummet. And that's when he, as he holds him, that's when his heart grows three sizes. Boink, boink, boink. Now, what do you think about the way that they portrayed the Who's? Because the Who's have a a bunch of different looks in my head. And it was surprising again to me because apparently maybe I watched this movie through my eyelids when I was a little one. These ones look like little sea monkeys. That's what I kept thinking. I was like, these are drawn like sea monkeys were drawn on my sea monkey packaging. What did you think of the way that they showed them? Especially the fact that Cindy Lou's like, she's only two in in this one versus obviously in, in the Jim Carrey version, she's like, eight yeah five six seven eight yeah something like that this is my touchstone for everything grinch so these are what who's look like to me so whereas i found the who's they were the most for me what the most disturbing part i think of the jim carrey special was like the uncanny valley of mm-hmm. the who's of the live action who's they shouldn't exist in like live action like i don't want to see christine Bar- baranski as a who it, it, it feels weird to me it makes me feel odd i, I don't like it it makes me feel very off Th- this very cartoonish animated version is how the who's appear and live in my head they look like mutated humans in the do you in see the my sea version. monkeys like uh, for like sure yeah yeah I, I get that i get that yeah it's you know i think a lot of the drawings in this are kind of crude in a way especially when you compare it to like modern day animation with its like computers and and you know renderings and stuff but there is something very comforting and familiar about all of this that that makes me feel 
very calm. Well, I'm going to throw out the word that they're maybe maybe crude is one word, but I'm going to say that they're very simple. Again, remembering okay, the, the audience for the little ones. Right. It's definitely something that it's not overwhelming. It's it's sort of the Dr. Seuss version of a stick figure. You know, what would a stick figure look, a, look like if Dr. Seuss drew it? It would look like sea monkey. <laughs> No, no, I think that's very fair. It is very simple. Yeah, right. And there's nothing here that kids can't grab hold of. What do you think of this idea that the Who's persevere in their Christmas spirit, even when they wake up and their trees are gone, their ornaments are gone, their their stockings are gone? Uh, you know, is is that a message that kids are going to get and, you know, feel the same way? I feel like kids maybe would revolt if they woke up on Christmas Day and all well, of their Christmas stuff was, were gone. They might, you know, be surprised and cry at first, for sure, of course. I think the human spirit or or even the Who spirit, whatever the sea monkey creature is that the Who's are, I think that the, they really do embody the spirit of being together mm-hmm. and, and looking for the bright side of things. And recently there was a huge tornado situation in Kentucky, and I was just watching the news this morning, and the people had gathered at, at the rubble of the church to have church service yesterday on Sunday. And the idea of having like a value system that you believe in so wholeheartedly that that the things don't have to exist anymore for the people to still gather and still feel the spirit of why they were together in the first place and why they celebrate in the first place. It like hit me that I was like, wow, that that's very special and very um human in a lot of ways you know to want to gather together and 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 they're singing but they're singing this like sweet little song that's not exactly like we're the happiest people in the whole world but just more like we're content and we're it's like do you know what i mean the difference like it's not this joyous joy to the world screaming singing it's like this sweet calming we're positive people kind of singing does that make sense yeah the the christmas spirit of the who's comes from within which is i think one of the things that the grinch assumes is not true about the who's the grinch i think is approaching christmas in the same way charlie brown becomes disillusioned with christmas is that it's this commercial affair tied up in the in the items purchased it's also the same way that jack skeleton comes to try to figure out how to have christmas you remember he's just Mm -hmm. trying to have the things if we have the the candy canes if we have the toys if i have the suit all the things and he can't get to the spirit of it i mean not to put it back to polar express which we talk about a lot considering neither of us are super crazy <laughs> about that movie. The story is good. The, it's the animation, yeah. You know, it's it's this idea of being able to hear the bell. It's not about having the physical bell. It's about mm-hmm. what the bell represents and being able to hear it ring. That's that Christmas spirit that is within you year-round and just gets manifested out into the world in decorated trees and lights and presents and stockings and then all the the bunting that goes with christmas i like that that persists i mean that's a good message because even to the grinch and i think this comes in back to the simplicity you were talking about the grinch hears that and he's confused right because he's expecting wailing and gnashing of teeth and beating of breasts in the street and he hears them singing their song and he realizes oh maybe christmas means a little bit more and 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 it's not this commercial coca-cola santa claus affair that i thought it was and that turns him around and i think kids can really seize upon that as in the importance of a parent can turn to a kid and be like look even the grinch has been swayed by the christmas spirit of the who's and it's not dependent on how many presents you have under the tree or if you have a tree at all it's about that spirit that lives within you that embodies the best things of christmas even that that gets even through to even the grinch I believe that it's the same message that a Christmas Carol gets through to to mostly adults. Mm. This, you know, the idea of rethinking what you're doing, rethinking how you're thinking about life. Grinch is the embodiment of all of those bad feelings, the Ebenezer feelings, right? And and once he realizes, like through his own little experience, that there's an innocence to Christmas, there's a sweetness to Christmas that isn't about all the things. It isn't about the money, like Christmas Carol. It's about being together and having 
having all these feelings about Christmas. I think that that's super special. And little guys really do get that. And it's important. This is an important one. Just like adults need to hear one version of the Christmas Carol every year. Little kids need to need to see or hear a version of the Grinch because it's very easy to get very gimme grabby right at Christmas time, making a list of 50 things mm-hmm. you want or comparing what you get to some other kid, what they get. Um, and so this is this is sort of the cautionary tale to the little ones, too, about remembering what Christmas is about. I 100 percent agree. I, uh, going back to what you were saying about Scrooge and a Christmas Carol, you know, there, there's a line in there somewhere in, in one of the versions and maybe it's in the original novella version, too, about how Bob Cratchit actually is rich and rich in spirit. Right. Mm-hmm. This idea that this guy doesn't have two two lumps of coal to rub together to keep himself warm. But in some ways, he's the richest man in town because, you know, even when they're they're having their tiniest of feasts at, at the Cratchit house, he's still counting his his blessings and being thankful for the things he does have. How about remembering from it happened on Fifth Avenue, but just when you're saying it, it's like, wow, you can really piece that together with a lot of other ones. You could say that's George Bailey and say, mm-hmm. you know, you may not have the money, but you have the, the people love you and, and you have Mary. the things that make you rich. Caroline Mary, <laughs> we're rich in spirit, Mary. We've got the world. We've got the moon, Caroline Mary. It's important, right? This is an important message. My goodness, how many of these Christmas stories are trying to tell us that it's it's not about the money. Isn't it fascinating? I mean, I guess this all started, remember, back with our Chris Kringle and that he was a toy maker and that it all started with physical things and giving things to one another. What if his origin story for Santa would have been something like, you know, he just gave good thoughts or something. He just wrote yeah. like songs or something like, you know, like fascinating how it could have turned out. But because he was a toy maker, it's all wrapped up in a physical thing being given to you. Right. Well, this goes back to my tiring that I've that I've had a couple of times on this podcast about, you know, my war against gift cards at Christmas time. Because for me, you know, it's it's not about the thing. It's about the thought behind the thing, right? It's about the expression of the present, not the actual present itself, or it should be anyway. And maybe for too many people, it is actually just about the present and we don't care how or, or how and or which way you get it. I feel corny saying it, but I'm going to say it like I this is how I feel about Christmas. The, the message of this movie, the message behind Charlie Brown, the message behind Christmas Carol, all of those like that is genuinely entirely holy how i feel about it and it really makes me recoil when i i see it or i feel it or you know what on those bad days or those bad years when things are looking sour when i start to feel a little shoes are a little too tight myself and lord knows it's happened especially in you know the last few years you know and i've had those experiences where am i becoming a grinch you know is my heart a little too small am i forgetting at this podcast if nothing else has really reminded me of what I believe most heartedly about Christmas and why I love Christmas so much and why it is my favorite holiday because of the meaning behind it, because of the spirit you can take with you the other 364 days of the year. I feel like this one is coming out like at just the right time for our listeners, because this is the exact time this, this, you know, you guys will hear this maybe 10 days before Christmas or so, and you are probably rushing to a store or you're probably fretting about an Amazon delivery or something like that. And, you know, sit down with your kids for 25 minutes and watch this and remind yourself it's about putting your arms around the people around you who love you and whoever they are, even if it's your max and being kind and quiet and gentle with them, even if it's for short periods of time, like this is what it's all about. It isn't about being scared what's coming on the front porch or if it's going to make it. You want to get into some fast facts? Because there's actually a bunch of fun fast facts about this movie. Well, just because we've had this structure for 50 weeks, I'm not going to let you jump it. Is this a Christmas movie, Mike? This is absolutely a Christmas movie. I think this is telling one of those essential messages of Christmas. Christmas isn't about the dollar amount. The Christmas isn't about what you buy. Christmas is about being together with your family. And family is not necessarily blood. Family is however you define it, whether it's just you and your Max uh, or you and your best friends or however it works out, whatever your family looks like, being with them and realizing that the best things in life and the most important things in life are really intangible things and that if you can try and hold that spirit 
year round like the Who's do, you're going to find things go better for you, I think. You're going to find your chest feels lighter. You'll breathe easier. You know, the karma factor of it, I have to believe, is going to work more in your favor. You know, don't let your shoes be too tight. Don't let your heart be too small. You know, embrace this Whoville way of life. It's, it's the best advice you can give. And I, kids need to hear it for sure, because they're always at that age where it's so easy, I think, to fall into the trappings of a commercial Christmas. And to be fair, they're just following what's 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 being laid out in front of them. Sure. I mean, all the way back to the Sears wish book, there wasn't like there wasn't anything in a Sears wish book that didn't cost something. I know that sounds silly, but it's like if you're being handed it and being told like this is what Christmas is about, let's mm-hmm. figure out what you need or want. Wow. How many times does anyone sit down and say like, what's something that, that you hope happens this Christmas that doesn't that isn't a thing? You know, what are you going to do? And I, I'm on a lot of Christmas pages because of this podcast and a lot of things that people are talking about, especially those who are spending Christmas alone. There's like the people who are bogged down in that fact who are like, I have no one to celebrate with. And then there's this whole other group who's like, find some place to volunteer this season because you will be surrounded by people who are so happy for your your time and your energy. So that time and energy that you can give to someone else, you will feel the Christmas spirit. And and you do have a unique opportunity at Christmas time. I think especially there's a lot of volunteer opportunities to get out there. And, and in a funny way, I kind of think the Grinch kind of coming back and, and being more cool about things. I don't, it's not it's not volunteering, but I kind of want to just like act like in my head, like there's some sort of like acts of generosity physically to other people that that is sort of embodied in this he takes it but he gives it back so it's like it's not exactly volunteering but you know what i mean well, I mean, yeah. Don't yes. go out and take things, people, just to give it back. Yes, don't be that. Don't be that. Don't be that cat burglar. Don't be weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, but but he returns it not because he has to. He's gotten away with the crime. No one's looking for him. No one's climbing Mount, you know, Crumpet to to get their stuff back. He gives it back out of a genuine place of guys. I get it now, and I'm sorry, and I'm sorry I behaved that way. It, it comes from a, a true place of of remorse and, and an understanding Regret, of that. Probably he gets what they are about and you know he's trying to make amends uh with uh with with the return i'll throw even one more thing i think it also is about respecting how people celebrate the holidays because we have seen some different ways that people celebrate i mean we just did four christmases last week and and that one there was a whole bunch of different ways to celebrate and so in this case just because the grinch doesn't get it doesn't get how the who's do things I think that there's a message here of like live and let live. Like they're not up there bothering you. You know, they're not up there causing you any problem. Why are you, why do you have to be so annoyed by the way that someone else does their celebration? Why don't you just back off, you know, and let them enjoy themselves however they're doing it? There's something there to that. that it's an easy discussion with little kids as well. Well, I do agree with you that it is a Christmas movie, Mike. So for sure, I'm excited to talk about Fast Facts. Well, I am happy with this fast fact because I kind of agree with this. Dr. Seuss disputed casting Boris Karloff for fear that he would make the Grinch too scary. I agree with this. I never remember the voice of the Grinch sounding like that. So it does come off scary. Like me and Dr. Seuss are like pals. I feel like I could sit like linked arm in arm with Dr. Seuss. Well, I'm going to add a fast fact on top of that then, because Boris Karloff's voice was actually changed for the Grinch because he originally spoke in his narrator voice throughout. But after recording was complete, the highs in his voice were mechanically removed for when the Grinch was speaking, which gave him a much more gravelly voice heard in the finished version. So he actually they actually digit or not digitally at that point, but they they jiggered his voice. So it would sound more, uh, you know, grinchy uh, for the final version. Well, and here's one that I am going to lean on as as what I was just saying about how different people celebrate. And maybe this is even a little a little nod to religion. The lyrics to the song Fahu Fores was made. Come on, imitate, come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm not singing it. I'm yeah. not singing it. You can sing it. Fahu Fores. <laughs> Beautiful. They were made to imitate classic Latin. And after this special aired, the studio received letters asking for a translation from people who believe them to be real Latin. If you don't know, you could go watch, um, oh goodness, what was the name of the movie? Christmas, where they go to the Latin Mass. Uh, Christmas Holiday? 
Yeah, right. The, That's it. Yeah, the Christmas noir holiday. Holiday. Right, burger yeah. flick. <laughs> yep, yep. Because if for some, well, if you haven't been exposed yeah. to what a Latin mass looks like, yeah. go and listen to that. Go watch, go watch Christmas Holiday, and you can see what that looks like. And then compare the songs. Um, if, if hey, if you're into Christmas, I assume you're doing a lot of research like we do on this, <laughs> and you want to sit down and compare and contrast different movie portions. Go ahead and do that if you're unsure. And and again, I just I think it leans into different respecting different religious beliefs and how different people celebrate the holidays. And Favu Fores, just as an aside, is a total mantra vibe. If you're looking for just some peace, go put some candles on, <laughs> turn your lights off, and just listen to Favu Fores. You will be in a transcendent place in it's no so time. Sweet, right? It's very it's so sweet. Melodic, it's very I yes. love that. It's which the best Latin is though. The best sung chant of Latin. Yeah. There's a reason why Latin became, you know, Gregorian chant was a whole like genre movement in the nineties. Is because it's very it's very repetitive and melodic and very soothing there is a transcendental mantra chant aspect to it and he captures that perfectly with his Susie in latin so Susie in latin that's dr seuss generally speaking though like he he gets the melody of words he understands the rhythm of the way people talk and how you can capture that and that's that's what captures little kids minds that's what makes them want to read and for me yeah. i'm a reading specialist that dr seuss is the jam man uh, there is a line in the story that that hit me so well. I, as as a as a drummer, as a guy who is obsessed with rhythm, I am one of those people who's always. I'm always my fingers are always playing the drums. I'm always tapping out rhythms. Uh, there's a line when he is stealing, when he's pilfering in the house, and he takes the roast beast, and then mm. he ends up taking the last can of hoo hash. <laughs> just the, the 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 up and down roller coaster rhythm of the cadence of that section just that one little section is so wonderful i listened to it like three times because i was entranced by it he took the roast beast and then he took the you know the last can of hoo hash it was it was <laughs> I, i'm not doing it justice but you have to go listen to it the way the words are just fit together just so uh is is so wonderful and it's the same yeah. with uh when they go stink stink stunk, stunk. Yeah. <laughs> like i it's the same thing and it's like i mean again like if you look at that from like a reading point of view look at that it's it's all like the different forms of the word i didn't capture it i should have i should have pulled the out of the audio on it but guys you're a mean one mr grinch has to be the original diss track that song is so biting <laughs> and it's so much fun that you would choose a crocodile over him. Right. i love it <laughs> crocodile. Yeah, it's love so it. good i mean just stinks things it. stunk it's like oh Burn, you know, <laughs> it's like burn. That's like, I mean, you know, <laughs> I I use this. You don't even know. I said this the other day, and it had nothing to do with watching this movie. And I was like, "This is where the stink stinks." <laughs> like, like, like yeah. say this stuff yeah. all the time. I'm kind of a Dr. Seuss in a human form. <laughs> you you are. You're like Cindy Lou Who, all grown up. Kind of, yeah. Outgrown your awkward sea, way. sea monkey phase and. <laughs> <laughs> after I right after I wormed my way through the sea monkey face, cocooned your way through it. <laughs> she was a sea monkey chrysalis, and then she turned she's, into a beautiful adult too. Do you see her little mushy face? <laughs> So cute. All right, hit me with the fast facts. So, this one's a little bit a long one, but it's really interesting because it, it's a thing that I didn't know existed. So Chuck Jones and Ted uh, Theodore uh, Giesel knew each other prior to this. They had actually worked together during World War II on these videos called Private Snafu Training Cartoons, which were produced by Warner Brothers during World War II. Private Snafu was the title character of a series of black and white American instructional adult animated shorts. They were ironic and humorous in tone. They were produced between 1943 and 1945. They were designed to instruct service personnel about security, proper sanitation habits, booby traps, and other military subjects, including secrecy and keeping war secrets. Uh, they were used to improve troop morale, but also were meant to be instructional. Primarily, they demonstrate the negative consequences of doing things wrong. The main character's name is a play on the military acronym SNAFU, which stands for, if anyone knows, Situation Normal All effed up uh the cleaned up version of that phrase usually on radio and print is situation normal all fouled up so that's how chuck and ted get to know each other dr seuss doesn't want to do any more adaptations because he had worked as a writer on a thing called 
the 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T, which was a disaster. It was a bomb. It was a horrible experience for him. He was like, I'm never writing anything else for television or film. Nope, I'm sticking to my books. Can you see my, my comment about the, the Stephen King? Like, sometimes it's very hard to get to get the Seuss into a, into something that is on, on screen. Uh, but Chuck Jones, knowing about the story, wanting to do a Christmas story, CBS looking for their next big Christmas hit or holiday special hit after Charlie Brown Christmas in 65, Chuck Jones is able to convince Dr. Seuss to get on board with this one. And I think the world is better off for it. So I 100% want to seek out this next fast fact um the prequel and the sequel have you heard or seen either of these not until putting together the trivia i had never heard of either of them all right a television special called halloween is grinch night created by a french company aired on abc in 1977 11 years after the christmas special this special involved a tale of grinch coming down to haunt the who's every halloween i kind of love that uh it's a forerunner forerunner, right for you know a nightmare before christmas it's a pairing or kind of like the purge even uh, though less successful than the original it was awarded an emmy a later cartoon the grinch grinches the cat in the hat alternatively titled the cat in the hat gets grinched aired on abc in 1982 i have never heard of either of these and i'm absolutely going to seek them out there is another fact and i think i left it off of here but i should have included because it would have gone right to your muppety heart uh, <laughs> apparently there is a grinch muppet that oh yeah! Oh yeah! From yeah! From the '90s, there was yeah. a short-lived Muppet series, and the Grinch oh, was my one kids of the. Watched that though. Didn't, didn't, again, you all, of course, did not watch this. What were you doing? I just can't understand you guys. I was wearing flannel and rocking out to good rock and roll music in the '90s. That's how no, I but the Wubulous world of Dr. Seuss didn't come into your world. No. Dr. Oh, Seuss is a non-entity in my life uh, <laughs> prior to being an adult. You guys, I, I, I'm, I'm so pained by this. So pained. Uh, I'm going back to private snafu for my next, uh, my next fast fact because, only because, Chuck Jones, he worked obviously on those videos. That's where they met. Private snafu was performed by Mel Blanc. The longtime voice of like Bugs Bunny and a dozen other Looney Tune cartoons, guys. So just what a deep bench. Uh, and, and the series, the Private Snafu series was created by Frank Capra, who was the chairman of the U.S. Army Air Force first motion picture unit. That's a mouthful. <laughs> right. Frank Capra, obviously. It's a wonderful right. life. Right. So there's Christmas all the way down, like the turtles it was all the way down. It's ringing my bell. It's it ringing my bell. Did you hear that? I was like, ooh. Like rang my bell. It was like Liberty Bell, the Frank Capra production <laughs> company. It's all connected. So it is. It's all, connected. all right. So this animated short sits at a hundred percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> its critics consensus states that the movie brings an impressive array of talent to bear on an adaptation that honors a classic holiday story and has rightfully become a yuletide tradition of its own. I couldn't agree more. Are you ready for some Jingle Bell ratings? I just want to give one more fast fact. Sure. Uh, so Thurl Ravenscroft, we said earlier, no one was giving credit in this movie except for Boris Karloff. Oh, and we totally forgot to say that Cindy Lou Who in this, who actually had a lot more lines than they were cut. She is the same woman, June Foray does her voice, as does Karen in Frosted the Snowman, which we covered so many weeks ago. Mm. So June Foray doing children voices in Christmas specials as a niche, as a niche genre. <laughs> Thurl Ravenscroft, who was the voice of Tony the Tiger, it's great now you'll never hear it's a mean one mr grinch without hearing Tony the tiger sing that song oh that's so weird because he wasn't credited in the special people for years thought it was boris karloff singing your mean one mr grinch i did i uh, until doing this i always thought it was him singing it because the the gravelly voice the bass voice was so similar dr seuss felt so horrible about the oversight he wrote to every major journalist in the country wrote them a letter telling them that Thurl Ravenscroft was the voice singing uh, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, and ended up also using him in future adaptations that he went on to do. He was racked with guilt at the fact that Thurl was not given credit for such an, an iconic song. Can you feel me smiling that you would actually care so much to write all these people? Like, does this sound familiar? Does this sound like someone yes. that you know, something yes. that they would do because they felt badly about something? The only difference is I feel like... Uh, <laughs> Uh, hit, all of his letters probably rhymed in wonderful ways. 
and I and I think yours I are. Pro- rhyme, I should rhyme my letters better. Uh, I, I think I think yours are probably more just more heartfelt prose, yeah, less rhyme true. scheme. I'm sure. That's I'm true. sure all of his were done in meter. So. <laughs> I wish. Are you ready for some jingle bell ratings, Mike? Yes. All right, Caroline. I went first with four Christmases, so you get to go first for How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the original 1966 animated version. Are you still unable to get into the vault? I had to move my vault. I have I have moved the vault to a new location so that I can access all of my treasures. What's my highest rating thus far? You're at 975 for the Christmas Chronicles. You're at 925 for Mickey's Christmas Carol. Okay, I'm going to go... 95 for a Christmas story. Is there one that you're thinking that you want to compare it to for where you are in the old chart? No, I just needed to know who is high up. Okay, so for me, I'm going to give this one a 9.8. And I'm going to give you that because of one of the biggest, biggest reasons that my heart needs to have Christmas accessible to everyone. So because this is a story that is so simple, so easy to understand, presented in a way that kids... Are, are glued to it. The the songs and the the visuals and all of that Looney Tune lovely like sprinkled all throughout. I feel like this captivates audiences of any age, and I think there's so many different lessons in this. I know that it's easy to say, okay, it's just about you know, it's not about the things, but it's about the spirit. But I think there's other things too. Respecting how other people celebrate, respecting if people want to be alone, respecting all the different ways that that people live their lives and how they celebrate or not, it's all in there. And it's something that, again, if you feel like your little one isn't isn't someone who wants to sit down and watch a movie, because I know kids like that, the book version is wonderful as well. Um, and it might be something that you introduce the story through the book and then you show them the movie later. Um, so this one is just, I think it's just hitting on all cylinders for me. All right. I love that reasoning and I agree with all of it. I'm giving it a 9.75. I actually originally had a Christmas story at 9.75 as my second highest ever. Uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, uh, you'll recall, sits at 9.9 out of the gate for me and and remains, I think, my favorite telling of the Christmas story as as I feel it. But this is a really close second. I think this is a really accessible message, a really accessible message that kids should hear adults should hear and that the way they tell it i think everyone would understand what they're trying to say i think visually it holds up really well even though it is is shocking really it it really is i mean this is what 55 years old this year yeah 55 yeah so you know for this movie is 55 years old and in the same way that i still find charlie brown and its simplistic drawings and colorations and animations this is better animated than a charlie brown christmas special so it even has that over it. Um, but I think the drawings are, are simple the way you said before, which which, again, I think makes it accessible. And I think kids are going to sit there and digest it because it feels like something that they can understand and, and play and, with and, and it's digest kind of meant for them it is it is but i mean the the music guys listen to the lyrics of your mean one mr grinch that song is for adults as much as kids oh, the, yes. uh, lyrically and rhythmically and melodically it's for kids but that is a diss track burn song and it is wonderful <laughs> if you're looking for holiday themed disses on someone go listen to me mr grinch and i want everyone out there calling people stink stink stunk because the cc crocodile that's what i'm saying y'all can you imagine being such a prolific writer that people actually call like the like Ebenezer for someone who doesn't appreciate Christmas and then you have the Grinch like you don't want to be a Grinch like how amazing must that be where they take the word they take the meaning from your book and like like Cujo right like that's any mean dog like that's that's so amazing to me I got to tell you though Dr. Seuss and Shel Silverstein for me those two guys they knew what was up and how to use words and and be able to move them around and create all these beautiful imagery and and equally be able to diss you sick burns all around with those guys too uh grinch is actually credited in the oxford american dictionary is actually credited to dr seuss as its uh, origin so he in fact is the creator of that word and the one who's given credit for it so i love that this is caroline and this is mike thank you for listening to the 52 weeks of christmas podcast oh no wait wait record scratch caroline yeah we didn't do next week's show (gasps) michael marie 
before we sign off, guys, let me play you a clip because we only got two episodes left. We no, can't abandon. So right. We can't I don't know what happened. Now. We have abandoned the structure throughout this entire Grinch episode. Look at us. Oh, Our heart is growing because, so many sizes. We can't even keep up with it. I know. I think you know how like when you're in love and you're all goo goo eyed. That's what it's like. I was like, I'm good. I love the Grinch. My heart is growing. I love the Grinch. He's my favorite sea monkey. I think that's what it is. I think you're crushing on seas. Oh, Teddy. Oh, me and Teddy would have been loved. I I love Teddy. Is it Ohio? I think that's where his uh, museum is. Springfield, Massachusetts, man. Is it it Massachusetts? Who am I thinking? Someone has a a museum in Ohio that we talked about. He might have other stuff, but Springfield, Massachusetts. I lived right outside in in Wilbraham. You were were a a Susian... Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 groupie from get-go <laughs> alright let's play a clip from next week's movie which is different from Dr. Seuss uh, and How the Grinch Stole Christmas <laughs> yes now I have a machine gun well I know who that is because I recognize his voice that's old Alan Rickman and a machine gun and a Christmas movie Question mark. And this has got to be Die Hard. It's Die Hard! <laughs> Guys, we are stepping into the morass, the debates. One of the, one of the things that so I mean, about created this. <laughs> the debate of, is this a Christmas movie? It, Die Hard. Die Hard is that movie that every year people gather around, they put on their little nerd glasses, and they debate whether or not it's a Christmas movie. Guys, we will settle it here on the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast next week about whether or not Bruce Willis's Action Pack 1988 r-rated just out there for the little ones there's some r-rated stuff in there uh not language wise there's there's some nudity and there's a lot of excessive violence whether or not it is a christmas movie i am very excited to have this conversation with you caroline <laughs> well me too because i have never actually seen it from start to finish so bah, bah, i'm excited i've seen is... clips i'm like you i'm like you with the dr seuss like somehow i know I've it seen pop this culture one. Wise. I, I just know that i don't know the books <laughs> but to be fair though die hard is actually based loosely on a book which i've never read so um, yeah so there you go thank you for listening to the 52 weeks of christmas podcast if you wouldn't mind heading to apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate review and subscribe and while you're there if you could leave us a five star rating that would be fantastic so that we don't have to sing a song about you and tell you that you are stink stank stunk <laughs> thanks for listening thank you for listening this has been an original pod clubhouse production Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.